Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 66 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, and I am one of your co-hosts, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, here we go, covering Unforgiven 2000 here on episode 66, and I am sure that you can relate to this matchup personally, considering that you've been competing in a four-way matchup every night lately. Now you've got a third little creature <laughs> running around your house, so uh, how are you surviving, my man? Dude, it is like, you're right, it's a fatal four-way around here, man, me versus three kids trying to get in bed, so... Um, in fact, right now, uh, this is not a visual podcast, but I am sitting in the dark. You can't even see me. And uh, I am in the living room with my uh, baby. Yeah, so if you guys might hear her squeaking or chit-chatting in the background, I apologize. But she's, she might do a run-in later on, so we'll see. But um, everywhere else in the house is asleep. So yeah, thank you guys for being patient with us during all that. So we're trying to get these to you guys and get them out on time and uh, no matter what. So we'll see how that goes. Dude, if she does a run-in, I will spit my coffee up on this uh, computer screen right now. That would be a miracle. <laughs> I might hang up if she starts running. So. <laughs> Call Ripley, believe it or not. <laughs> you got a mutant on your hands. <laughs> exactly. A little no, Jack-Jack. No offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll say that's that's a nicer thing to say. She's an incredible. Yeah, not a oh, mutant. Oh, she is. So. She is, so... Anyway, yeah, man, Fatal Four Ways every night around here and getting my practice in. So more of a it. more of a handicap match, though, I guess. Pretty much three on one, yeah. Yeah. Or three on two, me and my wife. So <laughs> sometimes she's asleep, but I'm just kidding. So yeah, handicap match, Fatal Four Way, whatever. So well, I'm glad you could make it here tonight, and we could uh, squeeze this one in here uh, in between your naps and fits of sleep and whatever you got going on over there, but. We are trying to get this out to you, folks. Uh, Unforgiven 2000. We are talking about The Undertaker and a fatal four-way match for the WWF title here against the champion, The Rock, along with Chris Benoit and Kane here. So we've covered some really fun fatal four-ways on this show so far. I've enjoyed the ones we've covered, and I'll be interested to see what we think of this one. Yeah, same here. I, I um, Well, as we talk about the show later, I, I remember this match. I remember the show, but um, yeah. It was, it was this is a fun one to cover. Some fun stuff going on in this build here. So, and uh, just it's, it's been so fun to revisit this uh, version of Taker. Like you said, you and I initially were like, he's not. This is not our favorite iteration of the Dead Man, but it's kind of growing on me, man. We're seeing some of this stuff. So. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Me too. It's kind of, yeah, it's funny. I just it was such a sharp contrast from you know when we were kids and seeing him go to this, but now that we've basically been honing in on just his story, you know doing these 66 episodes it's fun it is kind of fun to see him be a little different and loosen up and lighten up and have some jokes and stuff so it's been this has been kind of fun for us to go back and do this i'm I'm digging it right now i am too yeah Uh, all of our listeners out there a lot of them before we started this said they couldn't wait till they get to this era and that's so far we we didn't know why no 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 it's been great like you said cutting (laughs) loose Uh, yeah so let's keep it going here hop on that time traveling motorcycle jump in the sidecar and head back to august of 2000 as we pick up on august 28th the night after SummerSlam 2000 and that match question mark between undertaker and kane uh 
the phantom bell ringing before the match. We heard it. <laughs> JR didn't hear yeah. it. Uh, we're going to call it a no contest or whatever. But uh, Undertaker got the moral victory by stealing Kane's mask and holding it high over his head there at the end of their uh, contest at SummerSlam. So this is Raw <laughs> episode 379 on the WWE Network, starting to build up to Unforgiven. And uh, Mick Foley, the commissioner, is going to make a matchup between Kane, the loser of that fight, whether it was a match or not, uh, right. against The Rock for the world championship tonight because Foley wants to celebrate the one-year-to-the-day anniversary, he says, of the creation of the Rock and Sock Connection, which we covered on this podcast since we learned that the Rock and Sock Connection was formed due to who else but the inventor of everything, The Undertaker. <laughs> Nikolai Tesla of the WWE or WWF. <laughs> but you know how Tesla gets like overlooked and, and Edison gets all the credit for everything? That's, I kind of think that's what Undertaker is, man. I just It's popped in my mind. So I, I, think, that's the, I think that's the case. So Undertaker invented everything. So. Now I'm just envisioning David Bowie playing the Undertaker <laughs> yes, in a movie, yes. and it's kind of the only thing I ever want for the rest of my life. <laughs> And it makes me very yeah. sad that that's never going to happen. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and if you don't understand that reference, go watch The Prestige. Come on, so. now. Yeah, seriously. Uh, um, there's no real explanation given for Kane getting this title shot. Like yeah, I said, what did he do? <laughs> he literally <laughs> lost a fight to the Undertaker yeah. last night, but he's getting a title <laughs> shot. Uh, um, but anyway, that is the main event of the night, and these two have a pretty hot little competitive match in the main event. It's fun. Uh, and there's some really, really close near falls. Again, this was back in the day where, you know, it was well, – we've seen a few title changes on Raw and on SmackDown uh, mm-hmm. in these past few years. So it, it was believable that you could see a title change during this time. And, I mean, I say that back then and just saw one on SmackDown. Uh, spoiler alert for yeah. last, uh, this past <laughs> Tuesday night. So I'm sure it's not spoiler anymore by the time this is out, but – Literally just happened as we're recording this. So yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, these two eventually fight into the crowd when all of a sudden the Undertaker rides into the arena, and he's actually got Kane's mask from last night uh, in his hand still as he drives down to the ring, which is a nice little continuity touch there. Uh, Kane is obviously not happy to see his brother, so he ditches the Rock in the ring, goes to trade some blows with the Undertaker. And um, I guess this is a no DQ match. I don't know. Uh, Undertaker hops in the ring, <laughs> gives Kane a choke slam, and then hops back on his bike, puts his sunglasses back on, and just sits back and down on the bike, watches the rest of the match. Uh, Rock crawls into the ring after this, but it only gets a two count after Undertaker's choke slam. Uh, so Rock ends up having to hit a rock bottom to finally put Kane away and defend his championship. So clearly, Things are not over yet between Undertaker and Kane, like they never will be. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, Undertaker's got some unfinished business here with The Rock as well. He rides up the ramp, just kind of stares a hole back into The Rock as he, uh, Undertaker at least, raises his fist up to the sky in his little salute there to end the show in an episode of Raw. So kind of sowing the seeds for all of these guys being involved in this match at Unforgiven. And we're going to see one other person, as we've already mentioned, kind of get involved in this build-up here as well. Yeah, and man, I'll tell you what, this young up-and-comer Kane, man, he's getting a good push here. And he's, <laughs> he is, man. He's being protected, so kicking out of choke slams, and he's going to, man, honestly, they do a good job building Kane up and during this whole build here. It's it's kind of funny to think about, you know, kind of where he's come from and 
where he's gone and everything. So it's been fun to revisit this too, because on SmackDown here, SmackDown 54 on August 31st, um, we get the Lugs Boot of the Week, with uh, which if you guys remember, that's that little blue man from. Uh, well, it's not the Blue Man Group, and he's not a Navi from Avatar, but he's just a little blue guy in uh, some big little, show Fubu jeans. More ethnic, I would say. A little bit. A little <laughs> An bit. ethnic blue man. A little Can bit. I say that? I don't know. I think so. It's late. <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> um, yeah, he is, and he's got this uh, these lugs boots on. So the boot of the week is take your choke slamming cane from back on Raw. So um, that was nice. Since I'm covering SmackDowns this week, it was nice to to kind of know what's going on on Raw there. So uh, who was so, it that used to do the lugs commercials? Was that uh, oh. Funkmaster Flex? Yes, I think it was. I guess I CeeLo, <laughs> but that's not right. No. I think it was Funkmaster Flex. So oh, man. man, where we have had what happened to Lugs? I don't know, but they <laughs> used to be all the time that and like one eight hundred collect. That was always oh raw. yeah, <laughs> just like same commercials. Well, for a while there was all those ten ten numbers. Remember mm-hmm. they're on Raw and Nitro. Oh yeah, Carrot <laughs> Top. New, yeah, new ten ten two twenty or ten ten ATT or one eight hundred call is all those on Raw and, and Nitro every single week. So um, yeah, Carrot Top. Good heavens, man. What the heck? That guy sucks. So, uh, uh, anyway, um, speaking of Carrot Top, uh, Undertaker, who has red hair now, um, he's going to be... <laughs> so we're going to start calling him. Can we call him? We, oh, Carrot Jim, Top. Jim Ross eventually calls him Booger Red, yeah. so surely we can call him Carrot Top. I love it. I don't think that's okay to call him that. <laughs> Kicked out of the locker room. But um, Carrot he's Top... He's not ever going to hear it. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> Carrot Top takes on Benoit in a uh, WWF title number one contenders match uh, on SmackDown, and it can only be won by pinfall or submission. So I guess that's the same as every other match, but they reiterate that they're like over and over again. So, um, and I just want something I want to point out for this match is when Undertaker rides down, and I, I'm sure I've noticed it before, but it just stood out to me this week was that um, Undertaker has a vanity plate on the back of his motorcycle that says Undertaker and like calligraphy, <laughs> like oh. It's so good. It's like amazing. one of those you find at like the gas station outside of like or any place in Orlando, <laughs> you know, like or like New York. Like a little tiny vanity plate you bring back to your friend, you know, from. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure we brought each other some, but he's got his own. I love it. How did they have one that said Undertaker? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. So, but I love it, man. So yeah, he's got his own vanity plate. You know, just as we're. Talking about his his evolution and his the production that goes into him, I just thought it was something funny to, to look at. I mean, look that's at. incredible. <laughs> yeah, so um, Taker goes right after Benoit as he gets in the ring, and it's, it's a pretty intense match, as most you know Benoit matches are. So um, the end comes. So Taker actually hits an Alabama slam in this match, which was awesome to see. He's you know we've seen him you know add some new moves to his repertoire, and um, he goes for a choke slam, and Kane runs in and stops it and attacks Taker. So. That causes a DQ. So I guess Monday night, his chokeslam didn't cause a DQ, but Kane coming in causes a DQ. So we still have no number one contender. Um, Benoit gets mad at Kane because he just cost him you know, the number one contendership as well. So um, they all three start brawling. The crowd's going nuts, chanting for Rocky. Uh, Rock runs out and starts going nuts on Benoit. And Taker dumps Kane over the top rope, and so he kind of left with you know the good guys, Rock and Taker, in the ring there. So um, that's how Benoit gets kind of added into this because you know he's been feuding with the Rock, and um, I guess these last couple months, you know, and actually has won the title on several several occasions or 
one occasion and Mick Foley kind of, you know, fixed that. But anyway, so they're plugging all the 40s guys in together right here at the beginning of this uh, build to, um, to Unforgiven. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I was gonna about to say, you know, we haven't, might seem kind of out of nowhere that Chris Benoit is popping up here in this match, but he has been quickly rising up the ranks here in the summer of 2000. And we did kind of mention on the fully loaded episode, he was in the main event of that show taking mm-hmm. on the rock. So, and um, he had a match, big match with Chris Jericho at SummerSlam, I believe. So yeah, uh, it might seem a little out of nowhere as we're talking about it, but he has been creeping into that main event scene and, and, and been on the verge of it, on the fringe of it, along with his little partnership with Shane McMahon as well. So uh, he is uh, become kind of a little bit similar to AJ Styles, that quick rise up to the mm-hmm. top for that type of guy. Uh, Chris Benoit here playing that role. Um, but yeah, like you said, it takes us to Raw, episode 380, September 2nd, 2000. Um, uh, Rock and Undertaker, kind of out of nowhere, are going to team up tonight to take on Edge and Christian for the tag team titles. So that's going to be the uh, main event of the show. Those two guys, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know if they really explain where it comes from, but <laughs> <laughs> team up against Edge and Christian here. Um, we also get Chris Benoit and Kane now in the number one contender match. Uh, so that is coming off a little bit of what happened on SmackDown. Uh, Rock comes out and does commentary on it and gets just, I don't even know what to say about this line, man. <laughs> he, on commentary, The Rock says, well, If you really want to know what Kane's face looks like, I'll tell you what, it looks like an orangutan went ahead, it looks like an orangutan went ahead and took off Kane's mask, squatted, took a crap, lit that some bitch on fire and stopped it out with some football shoes. Oh my God. <laughs> That's rather graphic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Not holding anything back there. Football shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, cleats. Yeah, he played um, football. Yeah, no. <laughs> Can you no, remember what they're football called? football shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is a savage takedown of Kane. Oh, right yeah. And, uh, but it's not really true because we kind of saw Kane's face last week uh, on yeah. SummerSlam. Didn't quite look that bad, but whatever. Kayfabe. Yeah, uh, it's all good. Kane ends up winning by DQ because Benoit's going to bring a chair into the ring and blast Kane with it. And then Rock's going to hop in the ring and give Kane the rock bottom on the outside. And so Rock walks away standing tall. We still have no number one contender quite yet for that match. Uh, Meanwhile, Edge and Christian are doing their thing backstage, coming up with excuses to get out of their match with Undertaker and Rock, as is their routine. So they're brainstorming and... Uh, Edge says, uh, what about pneumonia? And Christian says, no, 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 Mick's a best-selling author. He'll see right through that. And Edge says, uh, what about ter- Tourette's? And Christian's like, yeah, that's pretty good. We're on live TV. We can't be trusted if we have Tourette's. Uh, and then uh, Edge says, how about genital warts? And Christian says, yeah, no one's going to want to touch us or look down our pants. Genital warts rule. I remember that. Classic, man. These segments are gold. Uh, They're so good. Unfortunately, Commissioner Foley barges in on them and uh, tells them if they try to weasel out of their match, he'll strip them out of their titles and suspend them indefinitely and informs them, of course, that genital warts do not rule. They're going to be painful (laughs) or embarrassing. At least that's what Foley's heard. I mean, 18 years later, I still laughed out loud at this, man. It's so good. Absolutely. I remember that like it was yesterday, man. It's so funny. Oh, so funny. 
Man, uh, speaking of, as a side note, I can't recommend uh, Education on the re- most recent episode of Ride Along enough. So we were talking the other week about how, <laughs> yeah, imagine yeah. the Attitude Era guys got on there. You know, they're all middle-aged and ridiculous now, but they were hilarious on there. They pretty much stole the show and showed everybody else on the main roster nowadays like what the show's supposed to be about. So it was right. funny. So. I need to go back and watch that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So uh, anyway, they're just so good together. And yeah, them and Mick is just comedy gold man it's great man it's so good uh kane comes out for guest commentary for the main event yes Yes. kane doing commentary for the main event which sounds ridiculous and we've seen it a couple times but dude he's actually gonna talk more than i've ever heard him talk here on commentary for this match uh he's immediately better than byron saxton on commentary Uh, well of course (laughs) uh and kane is actually doing commentary only with jim ross because, and follow me here, Jerry Lawler is MIA on the commentary table because Taz choked him out with a leather strap. And mm-hmm. this was after Jerry the King pinned Taz in a tag team match. Uh, Jerry's partner was Chris Jericho. And Taz's partner in this tag match was assigned to him by Commissioner Foley. Uh, and Foley, Taz only wanted to have a handicap match against these guys, but Foley said he couldn't do that. But he would assign him a multiple-time champion as his tag team partner. And that champion would be none other than Naked Midian. (laughs) Yes, ladies and gentlemen, our good old friend Midian, our favorite character from the Ministry of Darkness, has become a streaker. And the distraction of Naked Midian as Taz's partner allows Taz to be rolled up in three seconds by Jerry the King Lawler, which leads to Taz beating up Jerry the King Lawler. And Travis, I can think of nothing more fitting to be our Vince Russo Memorial Bromance of the Week than the rise of Naked Midian. Whoa, be careful how you choose those words. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, that has to be the Bromance of the Week, dude. Dude, I was wondering when Naked Midian was going to rear his... Ugly little head, man. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Anyway, that was not intentional. Um, anyway, because I'll be honest, we see him later on uh, in something I'm going to cover on SmackDown. He's not naked. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah, not at all. So I was wondering, like, when that happens. Did he have the fanny back on and everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. I remember, you remember when I made him on uh, No Mercy? And not only do I remember that you made <laughs> Naked Midian, or I believe we called him Nudian. N- Nudian, yeah. You also made him a tag team partner. I did. <laughs> Who was his tag team partner? You don't remember? <laughs> I don't remember, but I remember. Uh, it was. Wait, was it a. Uh, go ahead. The Nude Meanie. Yes. Yeah, Blue Me. <laughs> I made the Nude Meanie and Nudian. <laughs> it's watching Blue Meanie naked dance out there with that little tarm was hilarious. <laughs> that was classic. <laughs> Oh, that would have been some Russo. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, a naked wrestler was not a Russo moment. Was not a Russo idea. <laughs> wrestler who so. streaked. Yes. Yeah. So once again, wow, defending Vince nice. Russo here. Dealing the show, man. Man. <laughs> no words. No, that's all I need to say. Uh, so Kane, moving on. Please God, let's move on. Kane uh, actually talks on commentary a ton here. Uh, he talks about how. The Rock infuriates him. The Rock has had everything handed to him over the years. He's the most popular kid in school. He gets all the title shots, all the girls. And meanwhile, Kane, he's been a freak all his life. He's had to fight for everything just to be considered almost human. So 
kind of Kane building up this rivalry with The Rock, and like I said, communicating more than we've literally ever heard him in three years now. Yeah. Uh, which mm. is, you know, it's it's interesting to hear. Uh, and like I said, he's immediately better than half the people we have on commentary nowadays. Sure. Uh, uh, Undertaker kind of plays the face in peril for this tag team match with him and Rock against Edge and Christian. Uh, and Rock gets the hot tag eventually to Undertaker and gets a really big reaction. Uh, Chris Benoit is going to interfere again and fight with Undertaker on the outside. Uh, Edge hits Rock with a chair behind uh, the ref's back, uh, but Christian still only gets a two count on the Rock after that. Uh, Rock comes back and hits a spine buster, but Kane pulls uh, the ref out of the ring after this. Uh, Undertaker goes after Kane. Hebner gets caught up in the middle between them, and that finally allows Edge and Christian to hit the concerto on the Rock and Earl Hebner to count the three for Edge and Christian to get the victory over Undertaker and The Rock here. Uh, so just more turmoil between all four of these guys, Undertaker, Rock, Kane, Chris Benoit, all starting to really get heated with each other as the buildup intensifies going into SmackDown. Yeah, man. Man, that's a big win for Edge and Christian, you know, Huge. even though, yeah. you know, those two main event guys there, and like we've, we've been mentioning, that they're pretty much punching bags for Taker <laughs> recently. So they nice to see them get a win. So Remind me a lot of the New Day nowadays. You know, they're a tag team, mm-hmm. but they get plugged into a lot of these main event spots and, and yeah. mingle with a lot of these guys and pick up some major wins, and they're uh, getting elevated into being major players this way. Yeah. Well, and – not just them, but even the Hardys or the Dudleys or even the APA. You could add any of those guys to main events of the, these shows back in those days, and it made sense. You know, well, we're yeah. gonna, I'm going to cover one in a few minutes here with the Dudleys, and um, it wasn't like, oh, why are they in the main event? It was like that makes sense, you know. And like you said, New Day is probably about the only team right now that you could in the current day that you could throw into the main event, and it would seem, you know, like legit. So yeah, I wish that they would build the the tag teams up again. You know, like they used to. Oh, yeah. Back not, in this era was the best. So. You're not throwing the Ascension on the main event of Raw anytime soon. <laughs> I'm moving on to SmackDown 55. <laughs> no offense. I love those guys. <laughs> oh, I just made me laugh thinking about that. So, oh, SmackDown 55, uh, September 7th. Um, Foley, uh, Commissioner Foley, he's listening to Kurt Angle Wine about Monday night. Did you know that in addition to writing books, I read them as well? What kind of books? Well, I'm reading right now a book about subliminal language. And I can tell from the words you choose to use about the pressure you're under, how you took China out, took being a derivative of the word take, that what you're really saying to me is that you want to wrestle the undertaker right here in Louisville, Kentucky. No, I'm not, Nick. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, it is. You're reading those books. New York Times bestseller right there, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> it doesn't get any more dad jokey than that. So, um... But so basically, you know, we're going to get Angle and Taker again for like what the third or fourth time since they've finally, uh, since they fought back at, uh, yeah, fully loaded. So yeah. I think this would, this would be the third match I think they've had. So anyway, um, Edge and Christian gloat about beating Rock and Taker on Monday, and they, they kind of show a lot of different replays, uh, about it until, um, the Rock interrupts him and he says he wants both of them tonight and, um, he doesn't care, you know, he just wants to get retaliation on both of them. So, they tell him that as long as his WWF title's on the line, they can be in the ring at the same time and he'll have his match. And The Rock's like, fine, I couldn't care less. Like, I'll take you both on, I'll take your grandma on, take your mom on, doesn't matter. Just bring bring me you guys. And so um, that's supposed to happen 
uh, later on tonight. And then, in a completely unrelated note, I just noticed this: um, we get Randy Orton's TV debut backstage in an APA segment. Really? And they're at the bar. Yeah, they're at the bar, and he is sitting there with a lady to his side, just as one of the casual, you know, bartenders. You know, the ex- or not bartender, one of the extras at the bar. So wow, I did not Randy realize Orton. that. No, we'll see. I remember watching like a WWE list this thing on YouTube a couple yeah. months ago yeah. about like random debuts before like early, you know, actual debuts of people before they really debuted in the roster. And they showed this and I was oh, like, wow. oh, I wonder when that was. And so it was just happened to be on this episode. So September 7th, 2000, which was where Randy Orton was on TV for the first time for WWE. So. That is crazy. It's weird, man. Yeah. He looks like such a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so Getting back to the story at hand, Taker rides down for his match with Angle, and uh, dude, it must be business casual day because his shirt is denim cut off sleeve and it is tucked in, his belt on, mm. and like it's just looking so looking good, dude. Fresh, <laughs> yeah, fresh out the local eighty one. Do you think so, Taker um, saw Mick Foley just strolling into work every day in his sweatpants and flannel, <laughs> and was thinking, man, how can I get in on that? And that's I how he came he- up with the biker taker gimmick. I think it echoes back to what you mentioned. I think it was last week when Edge was like, "Dude, you Mickey never change clothes. Like you don't need a dressing room." I think Taker picked up on that. It's like, ah, genius. So, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty smart, dude. I mean, you save money on like, uh, you know, your outfits, and you don't have to mm-hmm. spend. You know, just put that money in the bank. You know, you don't have to worry about it on extravagant outfits like Ric Flair or anything like that. You know, or Triple H changes his clothes all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Just yeah. wear the whatever the crap you woke up in. <laughs> <laughs> to, to work so um <clears throat> anyway so we see hunter and steph watching backstage in during this match and now i need you to, your help and your listeners help i do not recall this happening before this night on smackdown but um i know we've been calling the move when he you know wrenches the arm walks across the top rope and and clubs him jumps off and clubs him which is an impressive move that we kind of take for granted nowadays but watching a big man do that back in the early 90s was incredible. We've been calling it old school here on Talking Taker because that's what we know it as. Well, this night, he wrenches the arm angle. He looks out to the crowd as we know he's been yelling at the crowd things this last several months. And he just goes, and he goes up top. So, I don't know, man. Have you heard it on your on Ross even watch or anything? I believe you have caught the historic first uttering of that <laughs> term. Uh, I actually... I thought it was later because I've jumped ahead a little bit and watched some of the stuff we're covering in the next few weeks, and I've heard him do it first time I heard it. Like I said, we or like we've said, we kind of switch off which shows we're watching as we're covering, recapping this stuff for you guys. So yeah, I thought it happened later, but I think you caught the debut of that term. So pretty wow. historic, right there. Yeah. So I think I, a lot of people uh, think. Or I know I used to. I thought Michael Cole coined that term. Me too. He was the first person to do that, but Undertaker did it himself. Yeah, so, you know, calling the shots, man, and creating, inventing everything. So invents his own his own throwback catchphrase of old school. So, yeah, all right. I thought Michael Cole invented that as well. Uh, it's better than Calvary. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, Taker yells old school here. And then um, as he goes for the last ride later on, Benoit runs in and causes another DQ. By attacking Taker, so we got DQs left and right on this build. So, um, which I, which is good. You know, sometimes it's okay for people not to take a pinfall loss, and you still get the heat on the the heel that way and stuff. So, um, I wish they do that more nowadays. You don't have to always have a 
a clean win. So anyway, Benoit Angle kind of rekindle their um, their Shane Event Mafia uh, short lived program, and they start double teaming Taker and Hunter runs out and starts going right for Kurt Angle. And commentary is like, is Hunter going to help? Is he helping Taker or is he just after Kurt? And they're uh, battling up the ramp, and Taker hits a huge last ride on Benoit <laughs> in the middle of the ring, and just man, it hurt to watch. That that move cannot be okay to take. So yeah, it, the more I watch it, it's awful. Yeah, it's awful. So, um, and when commentary is you know speculating there, if those of you keep a score home, Triple H is going to be a face for about a month here. <laughs> so a short-lived face turn. This is kind of the beginning of it, you know, and. A lot of people remember him and Angle, and I kind of forgot he was a good guy for a couple weeks here. So it doesn't last very long, but this is kind of the beginning of it right here. So, But the main event, Rock is supposed to take on Edge and Christian, and um, before before he even does that, he attacks him backstage and throws Edge into an RC Edge Cola machine. So <laughs> those of you who remember RC Edge Cola, I don't remember if I ever drank it, but how punny that he throws Edge into it. So, um, so due to this, Christian's going to have um, – no tag partner, but then Kane decides to become his partner, and same rules. He and Christian can be in the ring and uh, at the same time uh, against The Rock, but of course they can't get along because they don't want each other to win the WWF title. So um, Edge winds up coming out, Kane attacks him, and Rock gets a pin on Christian after Rock bottom, and Kane then just goes berserk and chokeslams Rock through an announce table to end that show. So um, that's kind of another Russo booking move when you, you, your WWF championship is on the line mm. against two guys in the ring at the same time. True. They're, not, they're kind of a tag team, but not really. So, yeah. Um, but not, you know, there's a lot of handicap matches in this era of the WWF. Yeah. You call yeah that? That's yeah, a lot. A lot more than, <laughs> yeah, than and recently for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that wraps up that episode of, of SmackDown there. Yeah, and as you... Listeners probably pick up on. We're still searching for that number one contender for the Rocks yeah. WWF Championship here. Uh, Mick Foley is going to open up Raw on 9-11-2000, Raw 381. Mm. Uh, weird, right there, a year before uh, the actual 9-11 we all remember. Uh, what Mick Foley wants to talk about to open the show is who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. So now that Stone Cold is going to be returning at Unforgiven, he's going to make his big return full-time to the WWF. Uh, he did pop up at Backlash 2000, but this is going to be his big return here. And so now the focus is back on who ran him over back at Survivor Series 1999. Uh, the Rock is going to come out and vehemently deny that he is the one who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin and is going to shift to talking about how he wants to fight Kane for the title tonight. Uh, Chris Benoit is going to interrupt him and say as far as he's concerned, uh, he they work in the World Wrestling Federation and he's the best wrestler in the world. So he wants a title shot. Kane interrupts. He's immediately interrupted by The Undertaker. And if you don't know what's about to happen, then you probably haven't been watching wrestling <laughs> all that long. Uh, Undertaker says, as long as we're talking number one contenders, you can't forget about me. Everybody starts fighting with each other. Uh, Foley tries to pull everybody apart. And then Kane clotheslines McFoley out of the ring. A bunch of refs come out, finally separating everybody. So Foley kind of splits the difference here and makes Benoit and Kane versus Undertaker and Rock tonight in our tag team match main event. That sounds exactly like my little fake federations I made on 
No, my number oh, yeah. That is exactly how I would have booked that. <laughs> Pain by numbers. Uh, yep. Booking 101 right there. Uh, we're going to get some segments with both teams kind of trying to get on the same page later in the night. Chris Benoit tries to give Kane a pep talk, and Kane informs Benoit that he was never, ever picked last for kickball. Uh, in case anyone out there All is right. wondering. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Rock wants to know if Undertaker is going to be there for him tonight. Uh, Undertaker takes a big old spit and reassures Rock he will be there for him and he'll also be there for his belt whenever Foley decides to announce the new number one contender. And this just made me think, man, we've been seeing, we talked about those Lugs Boots ads. We're also seeing all sorts of ads on these shows for the anti-tobacco campaign. Tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. Dude, how in the world is the WWF showing these ads for an anti-tobacco campaign and then also having one of their top two baby faces consistently using tobacco <laughs> every single week. What is going on? And also bringing his little brother into it, as we saw last yes. month. So, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. It's those truth.com commercials or whatever, right? The tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. And, uh, yeah, Taker's just – his dips are getting fatter and fatter every week. <laughs> it's slip, dude. They are getting big. Oh, People man. criticize the uh, anti-bullying stuff, but dude, this yeah. is the most hypocritical thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, uh, the it's main hilarious. event, this tag match, this crowd is super hot as they were during this time. During for sure. main events, especially for The Rock, they're into mm-hmm. every little thing he does. Uh, Undertaker gets Benoit uh, in between his legs for the last drive, but Kane comes in and clotheslines Undertaker, which allows Benoit to roll through and get the pin on the Undertaker. That was. This was a neat finish, wasn't it? Because I, mean, I saw a replay of this on SmackDown. I thought it was a cool finish. Cool finish. Pretty clean, considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, for And a pretty big win for Benoit there. Get that pin over Undertaker. Uh, I think you mentioned this later on in your notes, but we're seeing Undertaker uh, lay down for the three count a lot yeah. more than we've ever seen in this era. Yeah. It's crazy. I just did not remember that, you know, having... And maybe that's why, you know, at the time in 2000, I didn't like this version so much because he was so much more vulnerable. But like I said, since we've been following, you know, his career now, you know, in in 2018, we're looking at it and going back and looking at all this stuff. It is neat to see him, you know, be more human and not so on the top. But like you you mentioned a couple episodes ago, talking about how people kind of look at this era of him and see him. You know, don't give him a lot of crap because for not putting guys over and stuff like we talked about, like fully loaded and stuff. But Dude, he's putting guys over left and right on Raw SmackDown. Oh, yeah. We've actually seen quite a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see some more here yep. coming up soon. So, uh, Show ends. Commissioner Foley has actually been on commentary for this match, and he gets up and decides that the only way to settle this between these four guys is, of course, a fatal four-way match at Unforgiven, and that leads to everybody brawling in the ring, a bunch of referees coming in, trying to get in between them, and Undertaker gives Kane a choke slam, and The Rock gives Benoit a rock bottom simultaneously as Raw goes Ooh. off the air. Pretty cool finish there. Yeah, that's always good when they end the show that way with the simultaneous finishers. So yeah, it's always fun, fun little, fun little thing. So yeah, I'll take us to SmackDown on Thursday on kind of fifty six on September fourteenth, two thousand. So that would be my wife's twelfth birthday. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> anyway, weird to say that. <laughs> yeah, it is. So um, fully. Opens up the show recapping everything that's been happening. You know, um, he says that, you know, he answers to the fans and he wants to give them what they want. So that's why he made um, this fatal four way match for the title 
and Unforgiven. And he also, on Raw, I guess, he booked Angle or Sister Blitch and Unforgiven and made himself the de- the uh, referee. So he's got this plan. That he says that in order to keep these six men from tearing each other apart and ruining my main events and Unforgiven, I got a plan. Otherwise, they're going to ruin each other and, and take each other out, and we're going to have Al Snow in the main event, and nobody wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not during this era. He's doing this gimmick where he's the European champion and he comes yeah. out from a different country every week. It is, I love it. It's, it's, it's funny, so but it's, it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so just like easily, like, just, like oh that's God. just stupid, stupid, stupid. No, so, yeah. No. So he can't ever, you know, pass up an opportunity to throw his pal Al Snow under the bus. So he does so here. So, <clears throat> so again, he's got this plan. And, um, he hasn't revealed it yet because Rock interrupts and he comes out and he's like, I'm ready to let it smack down on everybody's candy. You know, you know what? And so he uh, fully shows him the footage from Monday with all the interaction between him and, and Taker. And, you know, are they friends? Are they not friends? You know, what you just covered a minute ago with Taker, you know, spitting that fat dip. And then um, Foley's like, you know, there's a look in Taker's eye that scares the heck out of me. And it's the same look I got from him back in June of 98, back at King of the Ring when he threw me off the cell. So, as he's saying this, you know, he's basically saying, you know, Taker's, you know, going crazy and Taker's music hits and he walks out. He's got his black pleather vest on that he got from <laughs> Wilson's Leathers, uh, I guess, in the mall. <laughs> so, uh, and he comes out and he, he gives a little promo here. He's like, you know, I ain't the kind of guy who hides his feelings well. Just because me and The Rock, we aren't friends, doesn't mean I'm going to take him out. And just because me and Austin ain't seen out of eye, doesn't mean I'm going to take him, I'm going to mow him down with a car. So going back to that Austin stuff, you know, that Mick started on Monday. So, And then Taker goes on, he says, you know, make no mistake about it, I'm the kind of guy that gets what he wants. And what I want right now, you have. And he kind of gets right in Rock's face. It's pretty cool. And um, Foley's like, no, wait, just wait, wait, wait. You know, we had 10 days left, and then. Um, Benoit comes out and dude, he gets some freaking serious heat here, man. I don't remember really? him being such a heat magnet here, but yeah, I mean, he's getting a hole chance and stuff like Vince used to. Wow. So yeah, weird. So, um, anyway, he shows that footage from him pinning taker on raw, like you said, and he's like, you know, I don't see why I, it's a fatal four way when I'm the better wrestler and, you know, I pin undertaker and yada yada. So then that brings out Kane, like you said, pay my numbers. We got to know what's going to happen here. So Kane comes out and. He's not interested in proving Benoit wrong. He's going to go prove everyone right that calls him a monster his whole life. And and then Foley's like, okay, well, let me just tell you guys my plan. You know, I'm going to give you my plan for tonight to keep you guys separated and from tearing each other apart. And as he's about to reveal his plan, Kurt Angle comes out. And he carries on and on and on about Hunter and shows some, some footage with Stephanie from Monday where Hunter kind of knocked her over thinking she was somebody else. And as he's doing this, Hunter storms out. <clears throat> kind of goes straight at angle <laughs> yeah <clears throat> oh, i'm not done yet yeah he goes straight at angle <laughs> fully starts holding him back he's like let me reveal my plan let me reveal my plan to ensure that you guys won't destroy each other before i'm forgiven everyone's going to team up tonight we're going to have tna versus angle and hunter you know we're going to have kane and benoit versus the apa in an acolytes rules match whatever the heck that is uh-huh. and we're going to have taken rock versus dudley boys in a tables match in the main event so if you get physical with your partner or you refuse to work together, you will be out of the match and unforgiven. And as I'm trying to take a breath here, as I'm recapping this, this took 19 <laughs> minutes, dude, yeah. of airtime. 19 minutes, dude. That's just eating up precious clock, man. It's just crazy. So, um, But I don't understand part of it because if you're going to try to protect these guys from, from ruining your main event in 10 days, why would you put two of them in a tables match? 
and two of them in an Anything Goes Acolytes Rules match. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, Mick Foy's been hitting the head of the chair a few times. Man. It's not always <laughs> the, the brightest of plans coming out there. But, yeah. yeah, dude, these opening segments are sometimes they are a chore to just try to sit through and understand what's going on. And, yeah. Oh, my God. So many people involved just to get yeah, like so much. Just tell us what the matches are, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, that could have been that could have taken seven minutes, you know. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so I'll try to boogie through the rest of this because it's, it's it goes pretty quick. So Kane and Benoit attacked. So, so basically, they're all in the ring, and Kane and Benoit immediately attacked the Rock. Um, and as Taker's leaving to go up the ramp, and Taker kind of turns around and he's like shrugs his shoulders, like ah, and he's like you kind of see him roll his eyes and kind of oh, he's like oh dang it. He kind of runs back in and helps Rock, throws Benoit over the top, and. Then he walks out and Kane chokeslams Rock. And then at that point, Taker's just kind of like, whatever. And he just leaves. So APA take on Benoit and Kane. Um, and uh, Bradshaw hits the top rope shoulder block. And then they hit the 3DB. Remember that move? Like the three. Uh, it was on, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it was like the Dudley's other finisher on No Mercy. But they called it a 3DB, which is basically a back, like a back suplex into a neck breaker. So I always enjoyed that move. But APA does that. And then. Benoit basically goes up the ramp. He's kind of trying to abandon Kane. Um, and so he lets him uh, eat a clothesline from hell. And then the APA double cover Kane for the win. So took two guys to hold his shoulders down. So like I said, this young upstart Kane is getting a big push here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but he immediately, just after the three count, he no-sells anything that just happened. Gets up, storms up after Benoit. And the commentator's like, remember, there's zero tolerance. You can't attack each other. Which, remember that, so because okay. okay. I think they forget that later on. So, backstage, Taker's with Hermie, and he says that he's going to be professional tonight with The Rock. Just don't tick me off, you know. That's the that's the PC version of what he says. So, Rock's interviewed by Lillian, and he's like, you know, doesn't matter if I tick you off, you tick me off already, and I don't I can't trust anybody, including you, Lillian. And he goes on to make some comments to, to her that we all know and, and love and laughed at about pie and strudel and stuff so anyway we get to the main event like i was saying dudley's are out with the table again tag match dudley's in the main event it did but it didn't seem like weird it was like oh this right. makes sense like yeah. these guys belong here they pulled it off yeah so um anyway take aaron rocker and having no issues throughout um Dudley's bring a table in after the was up head drop. Taker big boots the table right into their faces, though. Like almost like a Van Daminator. He just <laughs> big boots the table right in their face. So nice. anyway, we had a table in the corner. Rock grabs a different table. Rock gets thrown over the top rope. And uh, as he does, Taker kind of turns around. Uh, he's, he's looking at him and kind of saying, like, get back in the ring. He turns around, 3D through a table. Boom. Dudley boys win. So, wow. Another big yeah. win there. Another big win for the tag team over the Undertaker. So crazy. And um, Rock gets back in the ring and Taker's livid. And so he chokes him through the other table and leaves him laying. So again, earlier, commentary was like, Kane can't go after Benoit because there's zero tolerance. But then here, Taker chokeslams Rock and he receives no like punishment. So, um, But like you said, he's losing more often than he ever did in the past. And it's just neat to see that, I guess. So, I mean, it's different for sure. Well, the so. heat is boiling between Rock and Undertaker on the Go Home Show for Raw 918 2000, episode 382. Rock opens the show calling out Undertaker, telling him he's willing to put the title on the line against him one on one tonight. And Undertaker answers promptly and delivers a 
his own verbal smackdown here to The Rock, man. This uh, this promo comes up on YouTube a lot when you search for uh, Undertaker promos, and it is <laughs> something to behold, man. Undertaker tells Rock, says, let me tell you why you need to respect The Undertaker. Because back when you were in high school, in the backseat of your daddy's car, trying to get some off old Mary Jane Rotten Trotch. What? Mary Jane? I was humping these roads, and I was winning WWF titles. I told you Thursday night at SmackDown, don't piss me off. And what do you go and do? You leave me hanging and the Dudley boys put me through a table. Now, Rock, that pissed me off. So you can stand here and lift all the eyebrows you want, talk about all the monkey's nipples you want, but you called me out, boy. And I just hope you can back up the smack your mouth is spewing out. Wow. Some hot words. I mean, yeah. That's I've never heard the turn from... uh, humping the roads before, but apparently that's what no. Undertaker was out there doing. Just think of how far he's come from, you know, the rest in peace. And exactly. now this is it. So yes, that is... we definitely see a different guy here. We are talking about the evolution of this character, and you just summed it up right there. From yeah. Rest in peace to Mary Jane Rotten Grotch. Mary Jane Rotten Grotch. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> also, uh, like I said, Undertaker called The Rock Boy. And JR, make sure to clarify on commentary that he didn't just call him Roy, he called him Boy. So, Mother goodness, thank you for that, JR. <laughs> I think his bell's palsy kicked in again. Oh, Why no. would he need oh, to no. say that? Oh, no. He didn't call him Roy, he called oh, him Boy. Uh, <laughs> Why would he call him Roy? I'm not sure. But he Let me tell it. you something, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Undertaker also, he brings up what you just said, Travis. He says to Rock, let me remind you something. Although I don't dress like Satan anymore, I'm still down with the devil, and I will go medieval on you. So, oh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah it's a cool line there. And again, just showing that evolution, kind of trying to connect the dots there. Still traces of the old Undertaker here yeah. in this new version of him. It's a cool little line <laughs> to throw in there. Um, Commissioner Foley interrupts this incredible promo from the Undertaker. And he wants to spell out the fatal four-way rules that on Sunday, whoever gets the pinfall first wins. It's first fall to a finish, and Rock does not have to get pinned to lose the title. And I'm just sitting here thinking, yeah, dude, we know how fatal four-ways <laughs> work. That's pretty much how they've worked for the past four years, ever since y'all started doing them. But whatever. Exactly. Um, Foley says Rock and Taker will fight tonight, though. Uh, Chris Benoit interrupts, and he's not happy. Kane interrupts. He's not happy either. So Foley says, well, why don't you two fight each other as well? And they do start fighting immediately. Uh, they uh, fight through the commercial break. And they finally start their match after the first commercial. Uh, and King notes that these two might fight all the way to TNN, uh, which Raw is moving to next Monday, which we'll talk about on next week's episode. But that was a pretty historic jump after seven years of being on yeah. USA, or longer than that, but seven years of Raw. On USA. Yeah, seven and a half because they started in January, right? Well, WWF's been on USA for probably uh, 15, 20 years before oh, yeah. that. But um, yeah, yeah uh, this was their big jump the next week to the former Nashville network, which is going to turn into the national network. And yeah, that was a huge deal at the time. It was. So. Uh, 
Uh, Chris Benoit gets disqualified in this match, uses the ring bell. Uh, he beats down Kane with the ring bell and does a lot to him, but Kane ends up sitting up after all of it. So, again, Kane, Kane, look, man. <laughs> Kane looking strong. He does. Uh, Chris Benoit's done again do commentary for our main event, Rock and Taker. Uh, referee Earl Hebner gets knocked down and misses the covers from Rock and Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker is able to get the last ride and gets a semi-clean pin on the champ, the Rock, heading into Unforgiven. Uh, so Kane interrupts Undertaker's celebration. Benoit gets involved. They double-team Undertaker. Rock recovers and saves the Undertaker and gives him a rock bottom to stand tall at the end of Raw. But we got one more show to get to before we get to the pay-per-view. Yeah, and, and this SmackDown 57 on September 21st, it opens just, it's really neat. It's got it's got Mick Foley in the ring. <clears throat> the entire roster is surrounding the ring. I mean, everybody. Except, well, they're all around the ring, and then Rock's music plays, and he walks out. So, um, And I remember this as I was going back and watching this. I forgot it was, you know, it's all kind of, runs together in your mind. You've been watching wrestling so much as, as long as we have. Um, was, uh, it was, kinda, was Naked Midian out there? He was. He was standing next to Undertaker, his best friend, <laughs> fully clothed, looking exactly like the Undertaker. I mean, he has, like, a shirt on, like, denim pants, so, you know, like, I think he has a fanny pack on to me. He looks, and he's, like, whatever, six foot eight. I mean, he's huge. Yeah, like, yeah. He's a big guy. Like he's, if, I mean, I'm sure Taker's not literally 6'10", but that's what they bill him as. I mean, mm-hmm. if he's 6'10", Midian's 6'8". So, um, he just looks like, it looks like the DOA back in 97. <laughs> you know, just standing there. And so that's what I was saying. Like, I saw Midian here forgetting, again, I haven't seen any highlights of, of naked Midian as I'm watching this SmackDown. So, um, I didn't realize he was naked at this point yet because he – dude, what if he'd been standing out there for this promo? Why, why not? He should have been, man. This is giving. Uh, continuity, man. Continuity. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a new word. <laughs> oh, so anyway. That's a t-shirt. Just, yeah, it is. So Foley decides he wants to get the bottom of who run over Stone Cold because, you know – that's important as it's been a year, almost <laughs> it's been ten months. We got to push that here, but um, I'll try to make this quick too. Cause this this takes over twenty minutes too, man. This is these SmackDown promos are incredible, and it's not Triple H's fault either. So yeah. not always he's involved in them, but it's not always his fault. So this is kind of a neat thing. I would recommend people go back and watch this. But anyway, he's like, you know, I got a suspect, somebody whose T-shirt sells at Sword since you know he's extremely popular. He's gotten the WWF title a couple more times, you know, since Oz disappeared. You know, I think it's it could be The Rock. And Rock's like, no, I didn't do it. I'll tell you in English. I'll tell you in Swedish. I'll tell you in Chinese. And he's just like, <laughs> and like you can see Foley about to like break so bad. It's so funny. And I don't know how The Rock doesn't break in any of this stuff, but Foley's like shoot laughing at him, you know, when he's doing like Swedish and Chinese and stuff. So the crowd is just like you said, they eat anything out of The Rock's hand, man. It's amazing how he could just. Orchestrate those the yeah. crowd back then. So Do anything, absolutely anything. It didn't work so well in 2011 when he tried to get Kung Pao Chicken over. Yeah. <laughs> he lost a little bit of his luster back then. But um, anyway, back in 2000, he could do no wrong. So, um, so regardless of what happened, he says that he's like, I'll, I'd still be the WWF champion if if Austin was here or not. So, so then Foley's like, all right, touche. Maybe it's maybe it's Triple H because his career skyrocketed once Austin disappeared and. Hunter denies it, which 
of course, we'll, after Rikishi's failed heel turn, we'll see. It actually was Hunter behind it the whole time. So, oh, what an abysmal abomination of a storyline that was. <laughs> the worst. That's some, that is some WCW-level crap that the they pulled, man. Worst. What a – take out your biggest star of, of since Hogan. And that's, you're taking him out, and how can you not come up with a better idea of a random over than Rikishi? <laughs> but I've got this yeah. in my notes for next week's show, but I am so, so glad we don't have to recover all these Rikishi segments yeah. and promos because they are brutal. So yeah, they're bad. Well, you know, he's a bad, bad man, so they're <laughs> <laughs> very bad. But anyway, Hunter's like, you know, it wasn't it wasn't me, and, you know, it's somebody who's a poor driver and – um you know, women are bad drivers, and uh, since it must have been a woman, it must be Kurt Angle. Because I don't know if you watched on Raw that week before, but they were making some horrifying jokes about Angle and his sexuality that you definitely cannot get away with Ew. this day and age. Um, dude, it was it was almost like HBK level stuff when they were, the crowd used to chant it and stuff <laughs> back in 97, 98. So it was intense. So anyway, Angle's like, it wasn't me. I had no motive, you know. Um I wasn't even – I'd just gotten here, yada, yada. He's like, you know, it could have been – it probably was S.A. Rios because he's it's always one of the quiet ones. So S.A. Rios gets in the ring, and this is probably his first and only promo he ever gives, gives in WWF. And he basically denies it, and he says it in Spanish, and Angle's like, all right, well, maybe it was DX and Triple H. Um, and Xbox gets in the ring. He's like, it wasn't me. I'm sick and tired of being, you know, of being accused of stuff. It's probably Jericho since he's got, he just arrived on the scene. And he was getting off to a mediocre start, which is a shoot comment right there, you know, because <laughs> that's just pretty funny. So Jericho gets in the ring. You thought that The Rock came in the ring again because his pop is astronomical. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's just like, you know, talk about motive. You know, he's like the person that took him out, that took Austin out was Stephanie, you know, and she, Stephanie's like she gets in the ring. She's like, no, I have an alibi. I was with my ex-fiance test. She's like, I, I think, and here's why I'm telling you all this back at home listening. Here's where Undertaker comes in. So she's like, you know, I think it was someone who wasn't even here that night that Austin was mowed down. Only There's only one person who was dark and twisted enough, and that's the man who once abducted me, the Undertaker. Ooh, continuity. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> continuity. Continuity. <laughs> yeah, continuity, continuity. So <laughs> you're welcome for that. <laughs> Um, so at this point, Kevin Dunn throws the camera to Undertaker, and he's just got this incredulous look on his face and an incredibly large dip in his lip. I'm telling you, man, he's putting like half a pack of that stuff in. So um, he gets in the ring, Foley starts asking him questions, you know, and and uh, Taker's like, "Yeah, it's true." And the crowd's kind of like, "What?" Because they know it's not the case. And he's like, "It's true that she's a sleazy tramp." <laughs> He's got, he's got jokes, man. Zinger. Yeah. So that, of course, causes Kurt Angle to attack Undertaker because he's protecting his his friend. Then we get an all-out melee from these guys in the ring. Everybody's attacking each other. Uh, lots of officials and referees come in. Basically, what winds up left in the ring is Taker, Hunter, and The Rock left standing in the ring with Mick Foley. And again, this took 20 minutes long to do this and the main event of the show is going to be taker rock and hunter versus benoit kane and angle let me repeat that the undertaker the rock and hunter her Sumsley, versus benoit kane and Kurt angle like that's a big main event dude that's about <laughs> as stacked as it gets in the year 2000 yeah 
exactly. So, again, this is where Hunter's kind of a face at this point-ish. So um, he's creeping on that line. And so um, I'll kind of run through this real quick. So it's a fun match. Um, Triple H hits a pedigree on angle. Kane then chokeslams Hunter. Taker punches Kane over the top rope. Kane and Benoit double-team the rock up the ramp. Taker goes to help him out. The referees come out and stop him for some reason and try to break him up. For absolutely no reason. Then Taker's like, screw it. He gets on his motorcycle, rides up the ramp, and this is the part where he like almost runs over the rock. Rock rolls like to his right off the ramp, and he tries to run over the rock, I guess you could say. And Hunter and Angle are in the ring. Hunter winds up pinning uh, Kurt Angle and then getting uh, hit with a sledgehammer, and we don't need to worry about that because that's their storyline. But anyway, Taker is almost trying to run over the rock as we – go off the air here, and then, of course, the show ends with Triple H and Angle because that's always more important than the WWF title. <laughs> Triple H, Triple H's storyline was more important at this point. So, whew, that brings us to Unforgiven. Well, kind of. Yeah, well, before we get that, I just want to jump in and that opening segment you talked about, man, it sounds, I remember it, and I mean, it's, it's entertaining. As I'll get out, you got all these guys involved, but... Dude, it just goes to show you, I think, how difficult it is to pull off a great mystery angle mm-hmm. in pro wrestling. And points back to the Kane storyline that we talked about here back in the show a while back. The debut of Kane and, and all this mystery with Paul Bear revealing him. And how rare it was for that storyline to pay off so satisfactorily. Yeah. To have such a great ending and great payoff to all of that. And you got the juxtaposition of that here with this who ran over Stone Gold storyline and it had so much potential and so much hype <laughs> and everybody wanted to know where it yeah. went and ended up landing with just this gigantic thud from the uh, <laughs> big brown machine, Rikishi. He's taking a massive dump right there on TV. Uh, again, just oh, pointing to you The Undertaker and how incredibly rare and uh, uh, everything involving him turned out to be yeah it's that's true that's a good observation so i'm glad you made that because yeah that was such a turd in a punch bowl of storyline man you could have elevated someone's career you could have made someone well um, they were trying to but it wasn't the right person well they misfired yeah 100 100 and if you listen to rich pritchard talk about it he says you know that it I think he said he was pushing for Hunter to be it from the beginning, wasn't he, or something? So yeah. that should have been who it was. It should have been him or Jericho. But or Angle. Anyway, even. or Angle, even. Yeah. But we know he had blonde hair. So Yeah. <laughs> Billy Gunn? Yeah, no, no thanks. That ship sailed. Anything. But um, you guys know we haven't been talking too much about Sunday Night Heat. Um, there have been some things building up to, on Heat these last few weeks. So you just kind of get promos from all these four guys, but um, nothing really to write home about. But Undertaker hasn't been on any of his episodes of Heat, but he is on this Heat before Unforgiven. This is um, – I don't have a, an episode number because it's not on the network again, but this is September 24th, 2000. This is the hour before Unforgiven. And they weren't on MTV yet, were they? They were going to go the next week on MTV, right? Because they were uh, they start on TNN the next night, Yeah, I think. I guess so. so I guess you're right. This yeah, I think I, might, I guess I should have done my research better, but I think this is the last heat on USA. Okay. Um, and then the next week would have been on on MTV because that's where Heat moves to once they go to Viacom. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> Kevin Kelly, I almost said Kelly Kelly. Kevin <laughs> Kelly is interviewing people. I wish it was her. It would have been more interesting. <laughs> 
<laughs> How about it? <laughs> Always. <Dude>. Anyway. <laughs> Sidebar. Um, <laughs> God. I'm just watching these shows, man. How great was it being a 14-year-old boy during this time with WWE? Yes. Dude. Yes. Terry Reynolds, Trish Stratus, Lita, Lita. Deborah. My God, man. Anyway. The Lotus, <laughs> Victoria. God. Yep. Uh, yeah, she was, yeah, she was popping in there. Remember the loading screens they for SmackDown? Were, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> they're all at their peaks. And the, the, dude, Terry Reynolds. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, moving on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. Well, <laughs> welcome to the good times. Um, <laughs> speaking of a good time, the Undertaker is having a great time here with Kevin Kelly. So Kevin Kelly is interviewing all the competitors, and he's like, "How do you feel about the Fiddle Four Way?" So anyway, he's waiting on Undertaker backstage. Taker rides up on his motorcycle, and he he leaves his bike on. And Kevin Kelly is like, well, "How do you feel about tonight? How are things going to go?" And Taker's like, "What?" And he starts revving his engine like boom, 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 and uh, and uh, Kevin Kelly asks him again, you know, how do you feel about tonight? And Taker's like, what? And he just starts revving it again. So he does it about four or five times, and he's like, I can't hear, you, can't hear you. What, what? And uh, Kevin Kelly just gets ticked off and just storms away. <laughs> and um, so poor I don't, Kevin I, Kelly. Yeah, I know, man. Poor Herm. Um, he uh, he's doing well for himself now in New Japan and Ring of Honor and stuff. Yeah. But um, anyway, he uh. I don't, I don't think we I don't think we can say that Taker starts the what chant. You know, that's definitely an Austin <laughs> thing, but it was funny to see that here. He's just like, what? And just revving his uh, engine. So, like I said, man, Taker's got jokes, man. He's got jokes. Absolutely. So. He laid the seeds for the what. Like, I'll, give it, yeah, I'll give him that. He did. So that's going to lead us to Unforgiven 2000, September 24th, 2000, Philadelphia, PA. There you go, home of ECW right here. Oh, yeah. Uh, although not at the ECW arena, the first union center in oh, Philadelphia. Golly. Dude, I honestly couldn't remember if I've ever seen this show. Uh, I may have seen the main event, but I don't remember if I ever saw this one. What about you? Well, I could. I'm the opposite of that. I definitely saw mm. the show. I rented okay. it. The second it came out from video to go, I mean, I could not wait. Because, again, this is back in the day when you can get the internet is, you know, kind of taking over it's, it's growing this is the the you know the World Wide web bubble is bursting here back in 2000 and i remember you know we, you and i both used to go online and read the reviews of the shows and i remember finding out that raven debuted this night mm. at unforgiven in Sorry. that taz match and i can't even put over how much i love raven <laughs> he is one of my favorites always has been uh i, I just i just remember being like like he's in WWF now. That's gonna be so cool. Well, little did I know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I remember just that and just um, you know looking forward to seeing Austin beat the crap out of Just Joe backstage because I remember the, reading that on because he's on, on throughout you know throughout Unforgiven he's interrogating people backstage and Just Joe walks in and Austin just beats the snot out of him. Yeah, and I wanted to see it because I I hate Just Joe and I hated him back then, so I wanted to see that and I wanted to see Raven and um. Just something I thought of too. Speaking of Raven, is that he? Remember he re, he redebuted in ECW on their first TNN show that you and I watched together at your house, and then he redebuts in WWF on their first Raw on TNN the next night after this show. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. Know? How about random that? is that? How about <laughs> exactly, <it? laughs> exactly. So yeah, I man. I remember written this. I remember watching this match, uh, the uh, the forgotten cage match between the Hardys and the Dudleys. Man, like that was a good match too because they won the title. I mean, excuse me, Hardys and Edge Christian. Because Hardy's winning the titles back. It's just, man, I think this show was good. 
Um, I remember this fatal four way. Now I haven't gone back and revisited it until now, but um, uh, it was a it was a good show, man. I definitely remember renting this and being so excited to see Raven. Um, being a little bit let down that he debuts against Jerry Lawler. I didn't have the love for Lawler I have now, um, but I, you know I, I wanted to see Raven come in and you know be the one that ran over Stone Cold or something and you know, get pushed to the top. But anyway. Dude, yeah. I, I agree. I thought this was kind of an underrated <clears throat> show. I went back yeah. and watched uh, most of it uh, here before the main event as well the other night. And dude, if you're if you're out there looking for a random show to watch on the network some yeah. night, I, I recommend this one, man. Got kind of a, like you mentioned, the tag team cage match, kind of a fun little strap match with Taz and Jerry Lawler. Yeah. The fun Hunter hardcore match. Oh, Hunter and, uh, yeah, Hunter and ugh, Triple H and Kurt Angle have a really good match as well yeah sort of a forgotten fun show in this main event we're going to talk about it uh, yeah pretty fun as well uh they have a pre-match video before the match does a really good job of recapping everything that we've already talked about on here and it does a good job of making all four guys look like a serious threat so they've done mm-hmm. a good job of, of building up everybody you could honestly believe any one of these guys walking out with the title tonight Right, because even though Ben was the smallest guy, he's technically won the title from Rock back at Fully Loaded, you know, and had to have the match overturned and stuff. So, you know, he definitely is believable. Obviously, like I said, they've been putting Kane Kane over like crazy. And then, you know, you got Taker and Rock, who are what they are. So they've done a great job. You know, you definitely could have seen, like you said, any one of these four guys walking away with the title this night. So pretty cool. Well, you talked earlier about Undertaker debuting the term old school. I think... He's going to debut something else, another one of his famous catchphrases right before this match as he gets interviewed by a little babyface Jonathan Coachman. <laughs> yeah, a little, like, babyface the singer? He looks kind of like him. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but that guy. Uh, anyway, the uh, babyface coach is backstage, and he's interviewing him, and uh, Taker, and Taker's like, You see, what they forgot when I was away, that that ring out there, it's my yard. And I'm the big dog that runs that yard. So that ride that they're going to take tonight, they better hope it ain't their last ride. I don't know if he debuted that that's my yard and I'm the big dog that runs it. or, But that's to me, that was the first time I remember it because, again, we've been following his career under a microscope here. So yeah. Uh, as I can tell, it's the debut of that. So. Debut of that, and something that became a big part of his legacy. You know, that's some, it's still a term people use to refer to him uh, all these yeah. years later. Yeah, and uh, he'll use that during the Roman Reigns feud. You know, uh, years be a big part years of it. From here. Yep. Yeah. All started right here. Unforgiven 2000. Uh, Undertaker is going to come out first for this Fatal Four Way. We got Jr. and King on commentary as per usual during this time and jr is going to refer to undertaker somebody's referred to him a few times calls him the conscience of the wwf but uh apparently he's clearly already forgotten about the entirety of 1999 when the conscious was corrupted uh benoit comes out second king on commentary predicts that benoit will walk away with the title Kane comes out third, and by this point, there are already half a dozen referees in the ring, already trying to keep everybody apart, and Rock's going to come out last. He is the champion, so that, of course, makes sense. 
Oh yeah, he comes out, dude, and I just wrote my note. He gets a Philly cheese pop, dude. And this <laughs> pop is out of control. Philly man. cheese pop. <laughs> cheese pop. Delicious. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he gets a Philly cheese pop. But dude, speaking of, let me back up for just a second here. Can we talk about what Taker is wearing? Because <laughs> he comes out, dude. He's got the black leather trench coat, a black bandana, black boots, and like. An oversized blue like shirt that looks like something my dad would paint in, and like it's tucked into his bleens, his black jeans. <laughs> he looks like he walked into Walmart twenty minutes before the pay per view. He's like, "That gun man needs something to fight in tonight." <laughs> Straight off the rack, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it's ridiculous, man. I was out of control. How terrible! So, oh, I love it. Uh, I love it. The uh, announcers are going to clarify for us, as we've mentioned already, that it's going to be first fall to a finish, as most Fatal 4 ways are. Is. Yep. Yeah. In case we're watching wrestling for the very first time here. Uh, everybody's going to start off. Uh, Rock and Kane kind of pair off at the beginning. Benoit and Taker pair off for a little while. Fist are a flying. Everybody's going after each other. Really hot start here at the beginning. Uh, Rock and Benoit fight into the crowd and Taker and Kane going to slug it out in the middle of the ring. Uh, it's just going crazy here at the beginning. Oh, yeah, and during all this, um, when it's Kane's in there, uh, Jerry Lawler's in the commentary. He's like, I'd like to know who uh, – or no, I'm sorry, it's JR. He's like, I'd like to know who Kane's linguist is that's teaching him how to talk all this smacks. So, the commentary says, like, we've heard him talk so much. So that's probably the first time JR has ever said linguist. So you know that came through the headset from Vince on oh, his little Word of Day calendar. Word of the Day, man. Popping <laughs> yeah, up again. We haven't had that in a while, so I think that was there. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of insanity. Kane does a top rope dive and clothesline to Taker as The Rock and is choking Benoit out with a TV cable outside. Um, so that's kind of eerie. But, anyway, um, big boot to Kane gets a two count. Um, Taker does one of my favorite things ever in the history of wrestling, and that's – so he gets – big boot on Kane, gets a two count, and then he pulls a page out of the dirtiest player in the in the books – uh, repertoire and he goes for the pinfall again immediately and gets another two count. So that is uh, that's one of my favorite things that, ever man. for yeah. a heel. Yeah. And why did no one ever be like win matches that way? That'd have been such a great thing. <laughs> great finish. <laughs> I know. Just two count. Okay, I kicks out. Pins him again. <laughs> three count. Like you could the commentary could sell it like he just exhausted his last breath kicking out, does you know, it? or something. But no one, no one ever did that. Someone needs to do that sometime. So. Yeah. Flair tried it, bless his heart, but he had so many other things to pull off. So, anyway, I appreciate Taker pulling off Ric Flair move that there. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, Undertaker does go for his old school move and call it out like he did before, but right. uh, Rock pulls him down. Uh, Rock clotheslines Undertaker out of the ring, and he does not land the perfect ten. He is not the monster that he once was, man. Yeah, can't hit that anymore. Um, Kane's going to slide in and start fighting The Rock, but uh, Kane's going to unfortunately knock out the ref. Um, and that is going to lead to uh, a chair coming into the ring now that the referee's out cold. Yeah, the referee's out. So Taker brings a chair in the ring and he hits The Rock with it. And then Benoit adds one. He, he brings one in as well and he just hits Taker right in the head with it. And then he pins The Undertaker. Um, as the referee comes to, and he counts to three, and he gets a three count on him, but Taker's leg is on the bottom rope. So, once again, Benoit gets kind of, he wins the match, but doesn't win the match, but 
it's cool because he goes and grabs the title and leaves up the, up the aisleway. And then Mick Foley comes out and meets him and kind of tells him what's going on. But was it weird to you that they didn't announce to the crowd what had happened? Yeah, they kind of uh, – yeah, the crowd didn't understand what this was. Right. And I had completely forgotten about this uh, part of the match, man. Uh, I think I've seen it before. I couldn't remember fully, but I don't remember this part. So it definitely caught me off guard when Benoit got the three count and – Started to run up the ramp with the title. Uh, but Yeah. Well, when I was watching, I was like, wait, did I forget how this match ends? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I didn't remember that at all. Because I knew he didn't win it here. So, But it was neat to see the little tease there, you know. But it is strange they didn't announce, like, to the arena. Because after this, the fans are kind of like, huh? You know, because we, we, we forgot to mention earlier, the fans are a little bit, they're in this match, but not as much as they would have been. Because who came back out earlier? Stone Cold Steve Austin. He stole the pop from everybody. So. He did, man. They do this long, long segment before the main event with Rock. Excuse me, with Stone Cold returning, and he stuns Shane McMahon over and over and over again. It, it's like one of those after show. the show yeah. segments that you, know, you see on these episodes of Raw with Stone Cold drinking a bunch of beers and, and doing that over and over again. It gets a huge reaction and a huge pop, but that. That probably should have been the main event of this show, honestly. Right. Because it absolutely drains the crowd for the wrestling match following up. Yeah. So they're not really sure, they being the crowd, what to think here. It's like I said, Foley comes out and he kind of jaw jacks with Benoit telling him, you know, you need to turn around. Because at this point, this is a really cool thing. I, yeah, I, I like the way they yeah. did this. It's, you got Kane, Taker, and Rock all like kind of shoulder to shoulder walking up the aisleway toward Benoit. And it just it is a cool visual, man, to see him kind of turn around into those three big guys, you know. Even though Rock's not huge, but it was cool to see him turn around into that. So, Well, they go after him. They all take turns throwing Benoit into the uh, set, uh, the <laughs> yeah. forgiven set on the outside. Um, then they head back into the ring. Um, uh, Sorry. Sorry about the moaning. <laughs> it's my baby. He's having a run in here. Not a run in. Oh, crawl in. Not yeah, even that. Not even that. They, oh, so yeah, they throw him in. They throw Benoit into the set, and uh, then they go back toward the the um the uh, ring. And Rock grabs those three hundred pound steps and throws them right at Undertaker, which I thought was was great. So they they failed to mention they're three hundred pounds this week, but last week you know they were three hundred pounds. So. Anyway. Yeah, it gets kind of confusing in here. There's a lot of action. Everybody's yeah. going after each other. It is, you know, pre- it's pretty much all action the whole time. Uh, yeah. Benoit and Rock get left alone in the ring for a little while, and the announcers are praising Benoit for his performance in the match. It's honestly kind of a coming out party for him, as these other three guys are definitely well established main eventers, and it's uh, time for Benoit to really shine here. Uh, Kane takes yeah. control for a little while. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was gonna say he hit those he hit those rolling German suplexes on Rock inside and on the outside. It looked to me, I just wrote it looked like Kane and Taker were moving at the crown jewel speed, man. They were <laughs> they were just they're kind of sleeping outside, you know, waiting to for whatever's gonna happen next with their uh, their spots or whatever. But it just reminded me of watching having watched highlights of that crown jewel match. They looked they were foreshadowing eighteen years in the future. <laughs> they're moving kind of slow, a but, little um, bit. Yeah, but like you said, you know, Benoit's kind of having coming out. He's hits the back suplex that no one hardly does anymore. Charlotte's bringing it back. I love that move for them. But uh, and then he hits the diving headbutt, and Rock kicks out at like two point nine. 
like right at the end there. So really putting over, you know, all this stuff. Like you said, Kane kind of takes over, and you take it from here. So Kane takes over, and just it's going to be kind of everybody rotating who's in control here for a little while. He hits some choke slams. Rock hits a spine buster on Kane. Benoit cuts him off. Uh, Undertaker's going to come in and cut Rock off and, and hit the last ride, but Kane's going to break up the pin. Uh, Kane sends Undertaker out of the ring. Undertaker pulls Kane back out of the ring. Uh, Benoit ends up hitting Taker and Kane with some chairs and locking in the uh, Crippler Crossface on the Rock, but Rock refuses to tap out, and Undertaker makes the save for him. Uh, and then Undertaker's going to try to take over and get the win. Yeah, he choke slams Benoit and goes for a pin, and then Taker gets pulled off by Kane, and they start slugging it out in front of the announcers. So in the ring is Rock and Benoit again. He hits the rock bottom on Benoit, and Taker tries to slide in and break the pinfall up, but he's like two inches away, and Kane grabs him and like pulls him out and prevents him from breaking up the pinfall. So Rock gets the three count on Benoit at 15 minutes and 18 seconds, and yeah, it kind of suddenly ended right there. Um, I don't and know. Do you feel it kind of suddenly ended? <laughs> yeah, it was weird because Kane didn't allow Undertaker yeah. to break up the pin and kind yeah. of cost himself the match. I didn't really understand the booking of that. Yeah, me neither. Um, I didn't get that because you would let him break it up. And even though you don't want Taker to win the match, you still don't want Rock to win it either. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. yeah, it just didn't make sense. But um, that, that end kind of came out of nowhere, but... Everything between when Benoit, quote-unquote, wins the title and that was pretty fun. You know, a little sprint, everybody hitting everything. Like I said, it's hard to keep up with who's, who's with who. But um, it's a fun little sprint of a match. I mean, it's only 15 minutes long, which isn't that long for four guys. But um, it was good, man. And they, they all sold really well afterward. They looked like they've been through a war. Uh, commentary's putting it over, you know, how, how big war they've been through. And, I, I mean, it was really – it was fun to, to do this, man. I, I, more fun than I remembered it being. So – yeah, uh, the last few minutes were definitely really hot. I don't think it was as good as the other two Fatal Four Ways we no, covered, no, no. but I enjoyed it. You know, it, yeah. it was fun for what it was. Uh, maybe the, the uh, maybe more fun than the other two that we've covered here, or the other three that we've covered here since Taker's been back. But we're still kind of ramping up yeah. this run so far, and like I said, a little bit of a weird finish, but it's gonna keep the story going uh, a little bit between all these guys. Um, and leave it a little bit unsettled there. Um, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely recommend it. It's probably my favorite match since he's been back as that we've covered since he's been back as the you know the uh, Walmart special you know uh, <laughs> special eighty one biker taker or carrot top. So yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna get over. <laughs> oh, I think it should, but that's gonna. That closes out uh, an era of a WWF where they were, you know, like you said, they've been on USA this whole time, and like I said, Raw's been on there for seven and a half years, and they're leaving that home, headed to TNN, and um, that's going to bring us to next week, and I'm going to go on another rant next week. Um, okay. I don't want to reveal that. Yeah, I'm going to drop those seeds here, and something just like Michael Cole bothered me with his Calvary t- quotes all the time, there's something else that bothers me about next week, and I'm covering Raw's, and I'm glad because something happens in that first Raw on TNN. That grinds my gears, and I cannot stand it, and uh, it's lost in WWF history, and I don't know why. And um, yeah, we'll get to that next week, so I'll just drop that little teaser there for you creatures of the night at home. Tune in next week. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I don't remember what you're talking about. All right. You don't? No, I don't remember. Okay, good. <laughs> um, 
something to look forward to there folks but before we get there we want to hear from you creatures of the night what did you think of this matchup this fatal four-way at unforgiven 2000 did the right man win was it as good as some of these other fatal four-ways we've covered uh, where do you think the undertaker got his outfit of the night from hit us up on twitter facebook or instagram at talking taker it's real simple for you on all those platforms uh, please follow us and let us know what you thought of everything uh, you can also subscribe, of course, to the podcast. If you're listening to this, you enjoy it, go subscribe, whether it's on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever podcasts are found, you can pretty much find us on there. And if you do subscribe, you get it delivered as soon as we put it out there and you, uh, yeah, you can enjoy it. And we appreciate everybody out there following us. Uh, the greatest thing you can do to help us out is to share, retweet, let a friend, uh, someone else, fellow wrestling fan know about the show. We appreciate all you out there. Uh, we asked for your comments on Twitter for this match. A few of you did respond. The Ben Now Whatever podcast at TNW Podcast on Twitter said they uh, loved something. We didn't talk about this, but Rock has a promo talking about Tyke. Talking about Taker riding his bike to the ring because it gives him that <clears throat> funny feeling inside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is a great line. You know, The Rock's full of these great lines here during this time. Uh, and then, oh, I love this Twitter handle, at LoveGun13, uh, Carl Grice on Twitter uh, said he remembers that continuing Chris Benoit screwy finish storyline. Because as you mentioned, this is the yeah. uh, second or third time they've done this with him having his matches restarted and walking away with the title. I don't know if that really led anywhere or what the deal was, but yeah, that kind of did that a few times with Chris Benoit here in this run. Yeah, it was just a tease. Vince wanted to tease the fans, the, the smart marks that wanted yeah. him and Jericho to win the title and stuff. Yeah. So, well, But whatever, it was what it was. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and, well, thank uh, you guys for commenting on that. So. Yeah, uh, and real quick before we do close it out, I do want to say, uh, rest in peace to Stan Lee, the Marvel yeah. Comics legend, passed away earlier this week and obviously doesn't have too much to do with wrestling, but we have, of course, compared Undertaker and Kane often to Thor and Loki mm -hmm. on here to Marvel Comics creations, and I know we are both uh, major Marvel fans, you more so than me, but I am a pretty big Marvel fan. Uh, I know you're a little bit of an obsessive. Um, we are both deeply appreciative for all of Stan Lee's work and uh, Sad yeah. to see him. Uh, sad to see him go. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, when we started this, we talked about how you know wrestling is kind of like a big comic book. It's a big storyline that never ends. You know, the history is supposed to continue. It's supposed to be lots of continuity and continuity. But um, anyway, yeah. Rest in peace, Excelsior, Stan Lee. So sad to see him go. So um, thanks for all your creations and thanks for helping us uh, make the uh, you know compare and contrast with Thor and Loki. So wouldn't have done it without you. That's right. Uh, thank if you guys were there in Philly this night, September 24th of 2000. Let us know if you gave that big old Philly cheese pop to uh, the Rock there. Tell us what it was like to see Austin come back to the ring for the first time. Um, were you as excited about Raven as I was, or not? So doesn't seem like Vincent Mann was, but he just wanted to steal him away from ECW. So anyway, um, thanks for putting up with the noises in the background of my daughter as I'm giving her a bottle. So. Um, yeah, anyway, she might make a few more appearances here on the podcast, so sorry about that, but it is what it is. It, uh, we don't get paid to do this. We just do it for the fun. <laughs> We'd like to get paid, but anyway, um, if you were there, let us know. Otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. How do we get suckered into this match with The Undertaker and The Rock? 
We gotta think of an excuse this time, and it's gotta be good. What about pneumonia? <sighs> Mick's a best-selling author. He's not gonna fall for that. What about Tourette syndrome? It's a live show. We can't be trusted. <laughs> Genital warts. That's disgusting. Yeah, but think about it. Rock and Undertaker aren't gonna want to touch us, <laughs> and no one's gonna want to look down our pants. We're made. We got it made. You might have something yeah. there. Genital warts. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, it's Christian. I just wanted to say good luck in your title defense. Loved you in Highlander Endgames. And by the way, just in case you guys come down with any illness or or, or work problem, I'm going to strip you of your belts and suspend you indefinitely. Got it? By the way, genital warts do not rule. They can be quite painful and embarrassing. <laughs> At least that's what I've been told. Have a nice day. This sucks.